In this era of grave spiritual crisis, it is not enough to simply know about your Catholic faith. That is why we need a Catholic toolbox to equip us with the practical skills necessary to live our Catholic faith to reach our ultimate goal, which is heaven for all eternity. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Join us every Tuesday night at 8pm for the Catholic Toolbox as we hand you the tools to go forth, live the faith and change our modern world today. Live on The Voice of Charity. And welcome back to another week in the Catholic Toolbox, the art of practical Catholicism. I'm your host and founder, George Manasseh, here as we equip you with practical solutions to live your Catholic faith in our modern world of today. And this week we're going into the hot topic of the Latin Mass and the Oratory. I mean, I really love that title because the Latin Mass is something in and of itself. But to talk about the Oratory in connection with the Latin Mass, and for those who don't know what an Oratory is, you'll soon find out from my good friend, Father Nicholas Rin, welcome aboard. Thank you, George. Thank you thank so you. much. I remember Father, um, we sort of met and got to know each other very well when I was in Rome for, for the last four days when I was in Rome back in 20, I think 14 was it? Mm, mm. Uh, and I decided to stay the last four days in Domus, Australia. Mm. And, uh, and, and sort of I bumped into the, it was Cardinal Pell there and yourself and so many others and then it, it was amazing, you know, getting getting a tour by yourself in Rome, and it was a tremendous experience. Mm, so. I think I was still a deacon at that stage. I think was you were. I? No, no, you were. Oh, a I was priest. a priest by then. You were okay, a priest, there and we go. Um, I remember serving your one of your Latin masses. Oh, okay, yeah. right, yeah. And, there uh, you go. No, this, so that was absolutely tremendous. And tell us a bit about yourself, Father, and just a bit about your background and um, where you are, and where you currently serve. Oh, oh there's, not, there's not much to tell about me. I, you know, I grew up in Brisbane. I, um, I uh, uh, worked there and then went to uni there and came down to Sydney to join the seminary. Um, I believe you studied law. I did. I practiced law for a bit too. You practiced law, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. So um, I did all that in Brisbane, my uh, hometown. And then I, um, I came down and joined the seminary in Sydney and I did most of my philosophy in the Sydney Seminary, and then I yeah. uh, was sent to the to the seminary in Rome, and uh, did most of my theology there, and did a licentiate there as well. A licentiate of sacred theology. Yeah, Excellent. that's right. Yeah. And you yeah. spent so you spent several years in Rome. Yeah, that I did. On and off, on and off, I was there for um, uh, oh, I think it was five years that I was there on and off. So I had I had some breaks of it. There was a big break of a year in the in the middle of that. Yes, when it was but, part of the seminary yeah, process. Yeah, yeah. so. But, um, but um, yeah, it was five years all up in Rome, which was great. It was brilliant. I really loved being in Rome. Oh, I um, love being in Rome as well. Yeah. I mean, it's tremendous, you know, di the dining, the food, the whole experience. I mean, the culture of the church is just yeah. phenomenal. Just culturally, yes. the church has a culture that's phenomenal. Mm, and, mm. you know, it's very much linked to the Italian culture, but it's just... It's just absolutely, I, I loved every bit of it. I love Rome. Yeah, me yeah. too, me too, me too. But I, I have to admit that the, the year I was in Rome as a deacon was actually in some respects more exciting than the year I was there as a priest. I'd been a, so I'd been a student there for three years, then a year as a deacon, a year as a priest. 
and uh, the diaconate year was pretty pretty good because um, the papal court, if you like to call it that, the papal really, court. really well, as, <laughs> you know, as in the Vatican needs deacons. You need deacons around the Pope more than you need priests. And, um, so the um, so there was a few opportunities to to um, be part of the papal liturgies. So I was. Um, I was fortunate enough, actually, to be the to be one of the deacons for His Holiness Pope Francis yes, for his and first mass. Yes, it's very interesting. I was actually looking here on the internet, and uh, it's very famous. Well, that famous, uh, I believe, it was the first mass of the Holy Father yeah, was. when he was elected um, mm. as Pope in the Sistine Chapel, and you mm. went to his right hand side, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Oh, mm-hmm. there he is, Father Nick Wren." Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot more to do as a deacon. <laughs> that's, that's for sure. Well, then, as a priest, well, yeah. that's phenomenal. Yeah. Um, so, look, uh, let's go straight into the topic and open the toolbox. Um, uh, and let's talk about the actual Latin Mass. What is the Latin Mass that everyone hears about? I know we did a few series about it, uh, but what is the traditional Latin Mass in summary? Well, in, in summary, it is the Mass, um, uh, the, the extraordinary form of the Mass in the Roman Rite, uh, as most of your listeners probably know, but there there have been uh, developments of that of the mass, and the most recent development is what we know as the ordinary form. The, yes. The modern. So the rite. Roman rite has two forms. It has the ordinary yeah. form, which we use in Novus Ordo Italian most churches, but mm-hmm. then we have the extraordinary form. Mm. So we have two forms of the same rite. It's not that's really right. a different rite. It's one rite well, with two yeah. forms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's how that's how we understand it, um, at least currently, anyway. And uh, the uh, the older form, the extraordinary form, the Latin Mass, also sometimes referred to as the Tridentine Mass, and has various other names. Uh, that is that is the form of the Mass as it was in 1962, the last missal yes. that was that was published. But even that is a, is, is a, a matter of some interest because um, uh, the development of that rite in 1962 w- was probably, you can, you can point to certain elements thereof as a foreshadowing of the ordinary form of the Mass, which you know, came later, around about 1972. Um, so there were significant changes especially in 1955 and even prior to that. But there were significant changes in 1955 and then again in 1962. And, um, and then following that, then we have a completely different form of the same rite, the same mass. Look, many of these people I've spoken to, and even my, in my own observation, and you'll, you'll probably back this, is that we did lose many elements from the extra form into the new form. Mm. Many of which probably weren't intended by the council. Many probably were. And, and it's still ambiguous in between there. It's still debatable. But we did lose a whole heap of uh, as, uh, what we call accidental grace. Because there's the intrinsic grace. The mass is the mass, no matter what right. But then there's the accidental grace. The lex orandi, lex credendi. How we praise, how we believe. So that expression of the theology of the church, we lost a lot of that in the new mass. And many young people come to me and say, when they go to the Latin Mass and they go back to their Nova Sorda, they say, wow, what is this? And they go back again. They, they start studying, comparing notes, and they say, wow, how on earth did we get from facing the, the correct direction? How did we get from using Latin? How did we go from the prayers at the foot of the altar, the many th- deeply theological prayers of the Latin Mass, How'd that all get chopped up into what we have today? 
in the Novus Ordo. Mm. Just it, it, in the words of Cardinal Ratzinger, it's it was sort of a fabrication of liturgy, mm. liturgy. Mm. N- not not a subject of organic growth because the Latin Mass or the extraordinary form and even let's say let's compare a control. You know the Byzantine liturgy, which even to to this day many rites hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially mm-hmm. with the Orthodox, none of it's changed. Sure. It's, it's been kept consistent. But those rites were uh, side by side throughout history, organically grew mm. with the sense of the faithful. Organically, it wasn't just chopped up. Mm. And here we go, just produ- mass produced. Yeah, yeah. There's something happened there. And uh, w- what's your take on that? I mean, really oh, confirming look, what a lot of people are saying. I, as well. I, I describe it, I mean, look, all analogies have their weaknesses, of course, yeah. they have their limitations. But I, <laughs> I, I and, and, and those who are sound engineers will be able to pick the weaknesses of my analogy straight off. But yeah. the analogies that I, I use is that the two forms of the mass are... It's, it's the same track, it's the same music, um, but um, there's, there's a difference between analog and digital. And if you like, the new mass is the, is the digital version of the mass for a digital age. And, um, and when you have an, an MP3 track or a digital download, uh, the fact of the matter is that you actually lose a lot of the information. The music is still there, the human ear still hears the music, it sounds the same, but a lot of the information is gone. And um, that's simply because it's been compressed. I've never heard a description like that before. Oh, okay, well... That's it, a first. Yeah, well, <laughs> still, still, well there's more. Um, so the, we can so, call that the Renite right? Yeah, well, <laughs> well it's, it's, it's true that the, 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 inf- the human ear can't tell the difference. Um, because it can't actually tell that the information is missing and has been has been you know, has been downloaded and stripped back so that it can fit digitally, but um, uh, there is a reason why. Interestingly enough, a lot of young people, in particular, prefer to buy LP records now, <laughs> and and they prefer to buy LP records because they claim that it sounds better. That a lot of people actually agree with them that an LP actually sounds a lot better than a digital download, and yet. You know, humanly speaking, really to an untrained ear in particular, it's the same music, so it seems. But an LP is an analog, and and um, it's you know it's it's grooves in the in the disc, um, which make an analog that is a, a a copy of an analogus of the of the notes that mm. they're, they're physically yeah. the physical notes the you know, sound waves are reproduced in the bumps on your LP. And it is in fact a, 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 a more perfect copy, an analog of that, mu- that music, those yeah. sound waves. Those waves are on your LP. As a result, the information is all there. Sure, there's you know, a scratchy sound and there can be a bit of background, but actually that's even more information than you get on a digital copy. And I liken that a little bit to the, uh, to the Latin mass in as much as it's a, it's a more perfect analog. Um, if you can't understand the music or you can't hear it because of the, some, a little bit of a, 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 sc- a screen, if you like, of sound, well, uh, there's that in the background. Well, actually, that's more information. That's that's there. That's part of the mystery that is contained in yes. the mass. 
And um, whereas in the Eastern Church, you have an iconostasis, which is a, a visual uh, screen to the sanctuary that, that is supposed to create mystery and block your view, in the Western Rite, in the Western Church, and in the Latin Mass, the extraordinary form, that um, is an audio and it's an audio mystery, an audio curtain. What we do is we... Ah, okay. You know, that, that's the first time I've really heard that. So the iconostasis in the Byzantine, right? And then we often, Latin Mass, there's a lot of silence. There's a lot of silence. As that's if, right. you know, it, it mimics when Moses went up to the mountain and could the Israelites hear what he was no. saying with God? Sure. It was his private as a mediator yeah. between God and man. The priest, likewise, is speaking privately mm. to God. It's yeah. his business yeah. to offer the sacrifice of the Mass. It really gives the identity. What I noticed when I first went to my Latin Mass and so many other young people, and they're pouring. Mm. Believe me, they're pouring. I mean, mm. while we sometimes uh, can think in the mainstream, you know, places, we can sometimes think, you know, oh, look, young people want, you know, to strum a guitar and, and all that stuff. A lot of young people are pouring mm. to tradition because tradition lasts. Yes. You know, anything that's fashion or fad, you know, is uh, uh, gets outdated. You know, well, the next I mean, week. Like as I say, a lot of young people prefer LP records. They do. They, they prefer. They prefer the analog sound. They uh, and so it, it, that's relevant to the youth. I think so. Yes, I mean, yeah. it seem, It certainly seems to be. And I would, you know, I'd I'd venture to suggest that God prefers analog to di digital as well. I mean, after all, He sent His Son, His Logos, His Analogos. Yes, yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the word of the Father, who is basically the representation and the image of the Father imprinted, like those bumps, on human flesh okay. and on human, human okay. nature. So, so I think we've established the Latin Mass, the extraordinary form, and when can people start attending uh, oh, the extraordinary form? How can they start if they've never experienced it? Uh, well, look, the good, uh, look, my recommendation is, is um, to buy yourself a, a missile with a translation at a later stage, partly because it'll cost you at least $100. Yeah, they're about $90. They're, they're <laughs> it's a big investment for young people to make. Um, and partly because... Well, you actually, just get it online. You can simply yeah, get it true, you can. You, you can. can download Laudate. It's yeah, very it's simple true. and it has the translation. So. True, true. But I don't recommend that you do that straight off. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, you'll spend the whole mass you know, flipping yeah, through your phone. Yeah, it's not a thing, yeah. yeah you won't, and you won't get it. Um, and this is also part of the reason why I suggest to people that usually they try and go to a high mass, uh, a, a Mrs. Solemnus or a Missa Cantata, what people generally call a high mass, where there's music. And um, that way they just go and, like I say, go to a high mass because there's more music and there's more ceremonial and just let it wash over you. You know, uh, experience it exactly we don't have to have this intellectual dominance i need to know no, what's being said we need some come. screen yeah i mean I, I personally i i i really dislike screens in churches i yeah. don't think they're necessary at all that's just my opinion i think in the opinion of a lot of people i think you know like people can read people will come to mass every sunday hmm. i mean we don't need to put it up there and it takes away from the sense of the sacred i mean really, we don't need it's a distraction but yeah. but and people claim let it wash it. over you. Yeah, exactly. Let it wash over. We don't have to be on top of everything intellectually. And I was lost. And let it let yourself be lost. Lose yes. yourself. Lose in the yourself. Latin mass. Yeah, lose yourself. Exactly. Yes. I, I think it takes just at watch least five or learn. six times. Just but, let yeah. it go. You know, three to four. Yeah. Let it happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just let it happen. Yeah, just let Excellent. it happen. Yeah. Let's now talk about the oratory. What is an oratory for those listening, and the connection to the Latin mass? 
Because oh, many okay. people hear oratory, oratorians. Uh, there's a Brisbane oratory in formation. There is. There's the... Uh, I really enjoyed when I was in London. I went to Mass every single day in the uh, the Brompton, Brompton Oratory. Oratory. The mm. London Oratory, mm. which St. Philip Neri established himself. And I too loved it. Mm. I mean, mm. it was both forms of the Roman Rite, but the Latin Mass was the Latin Mass, but then the New Mass, the Novus Ordo, it was very much in, in union with the Latin Mass because they were facing east. Everything was in Latin. It's it's They really sort of did their best to... to 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 keep the Novus Ordo in line with the tradition. Yeah, to celebrate the possible. sacraments with a hermeneutic of continuity. Continuity, as Cardinal Ratzinger exactly. calls for. Yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, well, um, uh, the, 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 I have a quote here. The, the charism of an oratory is, and this is, a, this is what it's described as by the Vatican, as individual formation for spiritual culture and devotion by means of instructions, personal contacts, spiritual direction, the ministry of the confessional, familiar preaching and liturgical apostolate. So there's six means by which the this spiritual culture and devotion is is created. And all of that is directed particularly, not exclusively, but particularly among students and young people. So that's what the idea of an oratory is, to to build up a spiritual culture and devotion, particularly among students, university students and young people. And you know, the means of doing that are instructions, personal contacts, spiritual direction, the confessional, familiar preaching, and liturgical apostolate. Yes. And you know, relying, relying on that last one, the liturgical apostolate, that's why you would have seen at Brompton that the extraordinary form of the Mass is celebrated alongside the ordinary form of the Mass. But the ordinary form of the Mass is celebrated with a hermeneutical continuity so that the two forms of the Mass, their similarities, rather than their differences or their, you know, or the, the rupture is, uh, are not accentuated, but rather their similarities. I mean, I, I was actually confused. I, I, my first morning Mass, I actually attended the later one, was a Novus Order Mass. But mm. I thought I was at Latin Mass because it was in Latin. They were facing East, Fiddleback Chasuble. Um, you go in there and it's, mate, it's, it's exactly... It's only when, let's say, he, he, the few rituals that you notice in the Extraordinary Reform... Um, that's when I was. Oh, this is Novus Auto Mass. Yeah, you saw the inextricable, yeah, sure. you know, connection there. Well, you see that the mass is the mass. The mass is you? the mass yeah. exactly. So you yeah. don't see, you know, facing the people, you know, no Latin, everyone doing something in the sanctuary. You know, you don't see that huge divide. Mm. If it's one right, it should look mm. similar. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, they're meant to be two forms of the one right. Um, so, and that's that's the that's an aspect of um, the oratory. So the oratory is a community of priests. Yeah, yeah. So the oratory is a community of priests, but um, it's 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 um, it's a life in common, not a common life. At least that's the way one of the fathers in Sydney uh, describes it, and I think it's pretty good. Uh, it's it's a life in common, not a common life. A common life is something that's led by uh, Benedictines, for example. Yep. And Benedictines are a good example because their focus is liturgical, and that is one of the foci of the oratory. Um, so I suppose the oratory is very Benedictine in that respect. But a Benedictine life is a is a common life, yeah. And it's and it's principally um, expressed. That common life is principally expressed by prayer in Corin. Ora et labora, the, Ora et labora. Yeah, yeah, prayer and work, the, the, uh, the principles of a Benedictine monastery. And you come together throughout the, throughout the day 
during which you were in, you know, in the midst of your work and to, to pray the divine But you're living, a, the, everyone's following the constitution. That's right. They're living right. a common life. Yeah. What's the difference between a life in common and a common life? Well, then, and that's why Respect I, to the oratory. Yeah, well, that's why I focus upon you know, that example of the common prayer and the office. Benedictine monks are obliged to come together to pray in common. Yeah. Oratorian priests are not. Uh, but as it is, part of their liturgical apostolate is, as you would have seen at, at Brompton, they will do things like solemn vespers publicly. And you'll expect to see most of, if not all, of the oratorian priests there. They, the, the priests do pray together regularly throughout the week. Um, uh, usually a series of devotions, um, but they don't have the obligation to pray the divine office in common. And they they do also um, take meals together, but again, the the uh, commitment, the obligation is not as great as it would be in, say, a Benedictine monastery or some other religious community. Yes, which okay. Are, and so that's, you know, those, the, 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 the common table and the common prayer, those are the sorts of things that you expect in the common life. But a life in common has elements of this, like at an oratory, but it's nowhere near as um, strident, stringent. Okay, like. so yeah. oratorians may have their own duties during the oh, day. Oh, absolutely, yes, definitely. So they may yes. be chaplains to they, certain exactly, places. Exactly, precisely. They, might be, they may be lecturing, they may be chaplains to, uh, to certain places, they might be actually running the local parish, but then again, not necessarily Well, wow, so they them. can run parishes oh, outside yeah, the actual oratory. Well, well, Brompton Oratory actually is a parish. Okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Brompton's a parish, and um, the Oratory Information in Brisbane is a parish. Um, uh, Mary Immaculate up there at Emily. Um, so that's that's quite that's quite normal that there would be a parish, um, but obviously the expectation is that. So we, so we only have one. So the the famous one does, is the London Oratory. Yes. And. There's famous one, for us in the Anglosphere, anyway. In the Anglosphere. Well, it was the original established by St. Philip Nero. Well, no, no, no. no. It he, wasn't established no, by no, St. No. Philip. No, the, the uh, Cardinal uh, John, John Henry, Henry Newman, he yes, established correct. it. He established it. And uh, mind you, um, he whilst he established the oratory, officially and, uh, officially and possibly even more practically, um, Father William Faber was the first yes. provost of the of the Brompton Oratory, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and um, uh, Cardinal Newman, I think, went on to also f uh, also establish the Birmingham Oratory oh, yeah, as well. Yeah, that's mm. right. Yeah, it was. The and Birmingham there's now a new well. one in Oxford, just a fairly recent foundation. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. and they they usually wear in London. They wear their berettas all they the do. time, and yeah. they have their collars. They have the collar. That's right. Yeah. They have the collars. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So interesting, and we have one in Brisbane, but. You know, there are further aspirations out, you know, maybe possibly towards Sydney. You, know? yes, well, you might want to yes. tell us a bit about that. Yeah, well, I am, uh, I am hoping that there would be an oratory uh, in, uh, in Sydney. I spilled um, the secret. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, um, and I've, I've, I've begun speaking to the Archbishop about that. Um, uh, it all depends on him. I mean, it's up to, he's the Archbishop after all. Um, but um, I would like there to be, I would like to be uh, in an oratory in Sydney. I, I think that uh, Sydney has, uh, has a need for this evangelical work and this kind of mission. Um, and as it happens, there are uh, two other priests who would like to uh, join the oratory, if it was to be established in Sydney. Wow, so three yeah. already. Three three priests, there's that's three of us. That's yeah. a lot, yeah. yeah. That and could easily double. 
Yeah, well, it, well, it practically has because there are also three young men who um, are already involved at this stage and who are discerning a oratorian vocation. So the the six of us meet um, um, on a Friday night at what I call the Little Oratory, which actually is what St. <laughs> Philip Neri called it too when it started off, the Little Oratory. Such a natural progression, you know, yourself from parish life into this, you know, it, it, things have to start naturally. Yes. And, and, yeah, and organically, true. and it's growing organically. And, yeah. and there's so many people, I know young people that are looking for this oratorian spirituality as faithful. Hmm. Um, because uh, uh, looking to live according to Latin Mass, but with an oratorian spirituality. Mm. So many people would love to have an oratory in Sydney. Yeah, I would love it. Yeah. I'd become a regular attendee. Mm, mm, uh, as well. mm. we ne- I, think we, I think we really do need one. Yes, yeah, yeah, well, more I locally. Mean, yeah, and, and it's, it's not as if the oratory would be exclusively... Um, extraordinary formal Latin mass. It'd be both. It'd so be both. For the, yeah, exactly. So it's inclusive. Exactly, indeed. Yeah. Well, that's 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 part and parcel yeah. of that liturgical apostolate, which is part of the charism of an oratory. And it sets an example because what really comes to my mind is the reform of the reform which Pope Benedict XVI called for. I think everyone forgot about that. Mm. <laughs> mm. The reform of the reform, why can't we have both? Mm. Have the extra reform, that's already grown organically and everything, but let's bring the ordinary form Start facing, as many parishes now are starting to, start facing the right direction, incorporate Latin, sacred music, start to uh, solemnitize a little bit the, extra, uh, the ordinary form where it's lost its ground. Yeah. And, and let's reform the reform. And the oratory, I believe, is a perfect avenue for that, well, for uniting yeah, everybody. I, I would think so. It can um, be a source of unity liturgically well, in, in, where, where there is division. Yeah. Sometimes with conservatives, liberals... I think oratories can really bring people together to see the beauty of both. So. I yes. would hope so. I mean, certainly in my own in my own ministry, um, I, I I've I've just simply come across so many young people who, like myself, discover and there's so many of them. Um, yeah, believe right. me, yeah, that's right. And I mean, I didn't I didn't grow up at the Latin Mass. I'm too young. Um, Neither I, did I. No. And and <laughs> and and I I discovered the Latin Mass at university. Um, and with young people, <laughs> yeah, that's right. So in in you know in my in my twenties uh, studying law and um, and those seen, trads trads everywhere. Well, I've just seen the experience <laughs> repeated so often. Um, you know, it's uh, it, particularly with university students, and um, you know, that that aspect, those two aspects. I mean, they they're often enough they're students and they're young people and they discover this this liturgy and it's part and parcel of becomes part and parcel of their of their prayer life, well, that just dovetails right into the the charism of an oratory, which is you know p- p- young people, young people, students, a liturgical apostolate. It, it just it just makes it just makes sense, and it's it's an organic thing, as you say, and you know, like the Latin Mass as opposed to the New Mass, the modern Mass, or the modern rite. It's actually an organic thing and i think that in the in that organic development um or that certain organic spontaneity 
I, I see that as the hand of God, actually. I mean, it's, it's, proof, it's proof to me of the fact that, well, it's not my idea. If, it, if, 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 the, if the Archbishop of Sydney um, is, is willing and, and, and approves, and pray um, that he, he yeah, please, yeah, please, please, please do, please do. We yeah. need to pray for the Archbishop and all the bishops, um, yeah, especially yeah. during this time. Yeah, but I mean, you know, if, I mean, one one thing I could say is that, well, look, it's not really my idea in that sense. It's just that actually, as a priest, I'm finding in myself this desire, but I'm also responding to what I see as it's the, the demand yeah. of the young people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not yeah. just young. It's no, not just the no, young person. It's not just thing. young people. So no. many people I speak to throughout the weeks for my show. They love the idea of having an oratory. People mm. would flock to it. I, I mean, think I so. think it would really help yep. um, the growth of um, of, of any diocese or place, or um, and, and really it would help to bridge this gap between the Novus Ordo and the Latin Mass, and just sort of unite people. Yeah, you know, as yeah. I say in my book, I like to I like to build a bridge between both. You know, where we have a balanced, and also it's it's very it's it's very amazing just you know when i took a look at brompton oratory you know the ministries that they run there and uh, the school they have an oratory school uh, and, and schools come out of it really they yeah. can do they can do that's true um but one of the really wonderful things about the uh, the oratory school is that it's um it's associated with their choir um oh, yeah okay. and um Bit like and cathedral, and, bit like and that. The students, yes, who are yes, part yes, of the a bit like that. College. I mean, that would be wonderful. Uh, I, I think that that's uh, I mean, the oratory itself. If it were to happen in Sydney, is a long way off, um, and that's even further off. But a, a school, a school that particularly had a cultural focus like that, um, would be would be brilliant. Um, these these you know these these cultural uh, institutions are few and far between now uh, in the church and yet the church used to be uh, such a leader and uh, they are desperately needed. They're desperately needed because they are in themselves means of evangelization, they are missions, um, they are formative. I mean there's plenty enough, there's plenty enough choir boys who have um, discovered priestly vocations because they've been exposed to theology through their music. Exactly. Even servers. Yeah. As the Italians like to True. call it, Clitty, little clerics. Yeah, yeah, exactly. In the words of, um, it was Cardinal Arenze. Mm. Uh, he said they used to call him Cleary Clary. Yeah, they were small. Yeah, yeah. But, that's, yeah. but that's absolutely amazing. Uh, let's hold on to these thoughts. We'll come back with three practical tools and we'll open the line for some questions or comments. So we'll take our break now. The number to call in here with your questions or comments is 9625-6111. That is 9625-6111. Or simply email us at thecatholictoolbox at gmail.com or you can comment in any of the Facebook live streams, EWTN Asia Pacific, The Catholic Toolbox, Voice of Charity, Perusia. Wherever you want to comment, we'll receive them. So stay tuned here. We'll be back shortly. And welcome back to another week on The Catholic Toolbox, The Art of Practical Catholicism. I'm your host and founder, George Manasseh, here as we equip you with practical solutions to live your Catholic faith in our modern world of today. We're joined and continuing our discussion with Father Nicholas Rin, my good friend, uh, regarding the Latin Mass and the oratory in particular. And for those who don't know what an oratory is, it is a community of priests uh, centered on liturgical life and living a life in common. 
Not yeah. a common life. Not a common life. That's right. <laughs> that's exactly it. That's what, uh, that's what I can take away from tonight. So, yeah. And Fudnik Rin aspires to start an oratory in Sydney. Yes. Yeah. In yeah. Sydney. Yeah. And there's big demand for it and uh, we're behind you. Thank you. Yeah. Many I, I, young people are behind uh, are behind you, actually. Yeah. I mean, speaking to many people, they, they want it. They yeah. love the oratory. Yeah. I mean, well, look, I mean, in, in terms of practical things George you know it might be it might be something to let the Archbishop of Sydney know I mean you know not that not that we would want to appear impertinent or demanding that's certainly not the but we as the the faith have a desire yeah well this is the thing I mean the faithful the faithful need to let their shepherds know what you know what what's in their hearts Mm, I mean and that's and if that is in the hearts of young people then um, you know it's 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 helpful I think um, to express that to let your spiritual father know exactly yeah 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 yeah. let's now go into three practical tools about okay going to Latin Mass let's talk about that what are three helpful suggestions for people who haven't experienced or to better appreciate the traditional Latin Mass well it's not really traditional it's the extraordinary form of the Roman Rite just do it as we were saying before, that's the that's the that's the first thing. The first thing is just do it, um, experience it, and to be honest with you, don't be frustrated or ask questions until you've been, you know, five or six times, or four or five times at least. Then, you know, step two. Then and only then, buy yourself a missal, which has a translation. Yes. Um, and to be honest, the the missiles are a little bit tricky. To you need to know, you know, you need to get somebody to show you how to work your your missile. Your yeah, missile. it can be yeah. confusing. So the first, uh, just go to your Latin mass, first practical tool, and just go there and sit there and watch, observe, let it come over you. Yeah, pray the music, the lid, just watch. Yeah, I mean, just watch. In the Middle Ages, a lot of people weren't educated. That's right. They just the, the, the theology was spoken to them through the ritual. That's right. I mean, the fact that the priest is facing a certain direction, moves at a certain angle, um, you know, candle bearers come at the sanctus, should preach some theology to you. Yes, yes. That's so right. go there and get lost. Yes, that's exactly mass. it. Get that's lost. That's exactly it. I mean, simple. It's simple, simple, you know. Um, I mean, you know, we, we know the transcendental goods of truth, beauty and goodness. Yep. Um, and, you know, in, in, in summary, my theory is, is that it's very difficult to appeal to people if we're going to evangelize with the truth these days. So I'm not saying that you shouldn't, but I'm just saying it's difficult, largely owing to the you know, essentially Marxist influence on their education. Yes. Um, so, you know, it, the, 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 the education has devolved. Again, homeschooling's rising. True. I mean, I'm speaking yeah. because I'm getting married on June 26th, and hopefully you'll be the, uh, the assistant priest in the. Uh, in the wedding, looking uh, forward to being your cope, yeah. <laughs> assisting, uh, yeah, assisting uh, uh, there. So, so I'm speaking to so many young people. Everyone's getting married. No one's. Everyone's going to either homeschool. There are certain schools, sure. you know, about yeah. four in number that you know people will be sending their kids to, and that's that's faithful Catholics. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, please God, there could be an oratorian school, but yeah, the, that could <laughs> be another thing. So, but homeschool homeschooling's on the rise. Yeah, that's forms, right. That's right. Um, but it, it, that's just a side note. I just wanted yeah, to no, mention. Well, so, yeah. You know, I mean, there's you know, truth. It's difficult to reach people with truth. It's difficult because they don't even necessarily know how to reason these days. It's yeah, interesting. As, as, as advanced as we are, you know, our, our capacity for logic and, and, common as, sense. And, and common sense as a whole has probably, has almost certainly decreased in comparison to that of our grandparents and our great-grandparents. So, you know, so truth, I think, you know, is 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 a bit out. Um, not saying it shouldn't try, but 
you know, there are issues. Um, goodness is a difficult thing to deal with as well, um, especially in a culture which, um, well, let's face it, I mean, you know, Western culture is well and truly in decline, and that's basically owing to, um, owing to the wide uh, wide use of contraception and the pill. Yes, that's um, right. And you know, essentially, in a in a culture where in a culture in a society where you can have abortion on demand and you have you know hot and cold running sex, um, the reality is is that the goodness of the place is is will yeah exactly. So it's very difficult to appeal to people on the basis of goodness and morality. In Australia, mind you. Australians do have a very fundamental charity about them. Um, you know, they they are they are shirt off your back type of people fundamentally, which is great. Um, as I said, there is something still there, I think, to 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 grab a hold of. But it is um, it is unfortunate that that transcendental is difficult to reach, difficult difficult to communicate to people, in a, in such a moral vacuum. So that leaves you with beauty. Yes. Uh, and and um, um, look, you know, as Thomas Aquinas says, you know, uh, beauty is both objective and subjective. And in its in as much as it's subjective, and you know, people don't always agree as to what is beautiful. Yeah. Okay, that's that presents a problem. But I still think that that is the the strongest, if you like, uh, weapon we've got. The, and leverage we have. I to think so. People in. To attract Cause, people. Because how many? Okay, you have conversations at work and everything, but. They're not interested in a lot of philosophy and stuff. No. But if they come and experience and see the beauty in the yeah, sometimes in the truth, but in the ritual and the, yes. the practice, yes. so many stories I've heard, even Orthodox, mm. you know, where let's say Prince Vladimir of Kiev mm. marched through um, Hagia Sophia and saw the Byzantine liturgy happening. He didn't know he was in heaven on earth, and that's what converted, uh, I believe, Russia. Converted Russia. Converted exactly. Russia. Yeah. Just that it wasn't the theology. It wasn't the great. Uh, <laughs> It wasn't the works of charity and, the, and, and, and whatever all, that they did. Yeah, the whatever. The goodness of it. It was actually the beauty. It was the beauty. Just the beauty. Mm. And there's humility in beauty. Because there often is. we have this Western rationalism where we want to be on top of everything. Yeah. I mean, to exemplify through what I don't like, which is, you know, screens at mass and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, and also... And the, always this accommodation right. culture. Yeah. We've got to accommodate oh, you all I don't, the time. I, 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 prefer the, I prefer the English mass because I don't understand Latin. Well, okay, you don't understand Latin, but are you seriously telling me that because the mass is in English, you understand it? Because if you understand it, then you must be God. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, I, I'm, I'm sorry. That's a way it, to put it. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. But that, even ourselves, we point to ourselves. Sometimes we want to be, dom we want to be dominant. We want to understand everything. But no, sometimes we've got to quiet down. Let, we may, it's a mystery. As the Eastern... Yeah. Church says it's a mystery it's a all mystery. the time. It's yeah. a mystery. Yeah. And uh, so that's that's phenomenal, I mean, there. So for those who want to call in here, the number is 96256111. That is 96256111. Or simply email us at thecatholictoolbox.gmail.com or comment in the Facebook Live sections. We're waiting for you. It's Father Nick Rin. So how would you go about let's say, starting an oratory, let's say, do you need oh, facilities, well, I mean, community? Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, as I say, we, you know, I've, more or less we have a community at the moment anyway. Uh, the most important thing, of course, is to have the approval and the support of uh, the local ordinary, um, um, yeah. which are, so, you know, in the midst of 
discerning that at the moment. Um, we'll see what see what goes, see what happens. Um, and really, I mean, you know, one thing leads to the other. With that, with that um, approval and support, um, then um, it's a matter of finding a location. And I mean, given the given the the um, the charism of an oratory, it's probably it's probably it's probably best to try and have. A, a space somewhere near to universities. Universities, yeah, yes. Yeah. You and mentioned that to me live off air. Yeah, yeah. Believe, yeah somewhere, somewhere in a university. Somewhere near area. to universities, somewhere near to the CBD, but not so, not necessarily. I mean, you know, it, you also. What about want, out west? <laughs> Well, look, I mean, look, there's, there's, there's going to be a lot of young people there. A, yeah, there's certainly, there's certainly. Why demand. is everything in the city, Father? Well, because you know, West you would is hope, best. You would hope that if there was things, were things in the city, that actually you could draw people in from there's all over traffic, the city. Yeah, there's yeah. more traffic. Yeah. yeah, and that's that's the thing. You, you'd want you'd want an oratory in a position where you could hope to actually minister to the entire archdiocese, um, and uh, so I, I mean, you know, it's. It's a it's a difficult thing, that's for sure. It's certainly well, we're certainly reliant upon um, a good deal of providence. That's that's for sure. That's I mean, for sure. God's work's not your work. Well, that's right. That's right. And um, you know, and the, you know, the, the the bishop's the best one to to know you know where that might be um, you know, best directed. So we mm. see what see what transpires, if anything. Um, yeah, but it, it, the also the, the you need you need you need to have a church or at least the prospect of building a church that is. Is there any architectural connection to the oratory? Like well, for instance, no, when no. I noticed in the Brompton oratory, it seemed to be it was Baroque. Yes. They're very Baroque, you know. They yeah. they love their lace surpluses. They love yeah. the lace, yeah. and I'm a big fan of that. You know, I'm not sure. so much of a fan. I know, I know. The, yeah, yeah, <laughs> the yeah. trads will kill me, but the well, but, well, the the. Uh, but uh, I'm not so much of a fan of the Gothic. Sure, era. okay. That's just my yeah. liturgical. Yeah. I'm more of a lace. Uh, more of a know? preference. Yeah. That's where we, we we have some common ground there. Yeah, well, I I, <laughs> I um look, I mean, I just I just appreciate beauty in all of its forms. So I'm 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 as happy I'm as happy with a conical chasuble as I am with a Roman, provided it's beautiful. Um, yes. But I think I think that's what what you see what you see in Brompton, and you see it in the Roman oratory and the and the Neapolitan oratory as well, is a reflection of. The times of Saint Philip Neri. Yes, uh, Saint Philip Neri right. basically lived for the entire 16th century. He was born pretty much right at the beginning of the, of the 16th century in 1515. He died in 1595, and so you know he's a 16th century man. Um, and um, you know that the Roman vestments, that sort of thing. That's that's all very. Italian 16th century, um, and Gamarelli Barbacone. Yeah, well, that's and the, the, that's the thing. I about, that's where you do your shopping. Yeah, that's well, pretty much. Yeah, well, I got to yeah. admit, I do that as well. <laughs> well got to get myself a new cassock. Yeah, yeah. Oh well, you know, it's it's not it's not cheap. Well, well you, know, it, you know, ostentatious humility costs a lot of money. The euro, the yeah. euro. <laughs> yeah, it looks cheap in euro. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's not in Australian pesos. That's for sure. That's. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I think that that's it, there's not there's not a there's not a particular style that you would say is an oratorian style. Um, uh, though uh, there is, as you mentioned before, there are some. There is the the collar that you'll see Saint Philip wearing, and there is an oratorian cassock, an oratorian 
it's not exactly habit, but there is no. But I, I understand that that too is a matter of local custom because it is in fact up to the local oratories to determine the manner of their, their, the way in which they'll dress. And they're not actually necessarily obliged to dress in that that way. Yeah, the, the same way as the United as the Kingdom. Island, no. yeah. Because, the, because the, the oratories like Benedictine monasteries are independent of one another. And that's the other thing too about a call. So there's no universal governance or anything? Well, there is a loose, a... there's a loose communion, um, which is the Confederacy of Oratories. And that's why it takes a little while. You know, it can take you know, up to a decade to establish an oratory in a, in a city, in a diocese. Because not only do you need, of course, as always, the approval of the local ordinary, but also, you need the approval of this confederacy of the oratories. So, I mean, after is all, it governed by anybody in Rome? Oh, is it there is. There is. There is a procurator general. Yeah, and and I've already uh, written to him. He's the, he's already given me permission to From go and in speak. Rome. Yeah, yeah. So he's already given me permission to to speak to the archbishop here in Sydney about it all. Um, and um, the uh, well, I mean, it makes sense after all. You know, you kind of you're you're going to put your put their name out there um, locally. So of course, there's there's some so standards. There's a, there's a governing body there, but yeah, but, but they're all individual. That's right. So there's a governing. There is a governing yeah. body, but its its governance is um, is very loose because once an oratory is established in and of itself, then it becomes an institution of pontifical right. And, okay. Yes. And and as 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 with all things, it's under the under the local or ordinary of, of course. But being an institution of pontifical right, it's like a religious order. It has its own governance structure and appeal to the Holy Father in Rome. So um, yeah, oratories are independent of one another, um, and um, that's part of the reason why they take a while to establish, because you need to be sure that you know this thing is going to stand on its own and 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 live up to the standards of an oratory but you know they're fairly independent of one another yeah. excellent and what's the difference between a parish and an oratory or an oh, oratory okay. can be a parish well an, uh, because well, i know in canon law they refer they use the term oratory as in, let's say a cha- let's say you have a priest as a private chapel. Yeah, they sure. refer to that canonically as an oratory in his home with a blessed sacrament, maybe a consecrated altar. Yeah, that's right. Possibly. Yeah. So, the, and, and in which case that is um, a type of church. It can have a group of priests or priests attached mm-hmm. to it, um, but that would be a an institution of diocesan right, if you like. It's it's a, an oratory of Saint Philip Neri is as I say a little bit more like a Benedictine monastery, uh, whereas what you're talking about is a a governance structure that is just attached is is just that particular place. Um, Saint okay, Charles yeah. Borromeo Sorry, established oratories like that. Um, uh, he was a, in, in, incidentally he was a friend of Saint Philip Neri's, but he didn't. But oh, he so didn't. There's some common ground there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a bit clearer. Yeah, but he didn't actually adopt Saint Philip Neri's uh, model of oratories, um, which was a which was a model that he didn't even um, just sort of come up with himself. It developed organically anyway, and in fact he only ever wrote the first constitutions for the for the oratory with a lot of resistance. He didn't really want to do it. Saint Philip Neri was very much about freedom you know and um um it's a little bit like um it's a little bit like virtue in as much as it was meant to be a freedom for excellence 
and uh, that being, you know, in, in his case, a moral and a spiritual excellence. And that's also, I think, what attracts the uh, young fellows who are coming along to Little Oratory and also what attracts me and, and the other priests to this idea is that um, an idea of, of being free, but um, free to free for the good, you know, free for freedom to freedom for excellence. And that's why if there were an oratory in Sydney, you know, you would want it to be a model. Um, It'd be in, ama- an amazing achievement. Yeah, it for, has to, it has for to the be ordinary. A model. Yeah, be a great achievement. You yeah. know, be a historical achievement. I mean, yeah. oratory is something to be proud of. I mean, just like. Uh, I would uh, hope so. The oratory in London is subject to the Westminster Diocese. Oh, uh, yes, of course. Archdiocese, yes, I believe, yes. yeah. I never got a chance to actually go inside the cathedral. Um, uh, so Westminster Cathedral. Westminster Cathedral. Mm. I went to Westminster, yeah. I spent about three hours there. I mean, looking at all the kings that were buried there, but it was phenomenal. Yeah. Well, well, interestingly enough, you, you mentioned you know, the style. Uh, the style of Westminster Cathedral is deliberately Byzantine and it's covered with icons, or at least it's meant to be. Yes. Um, to distinguish the Catholic cathedral from the Anglican church. And Newman, when he was establishing the oratory in the Brompton Oratory in London, um, he was definitely influenced by his studies in Italy, um, but he also was conscious of that need to have a Catholic identity. Yes, yes, and so that's Catholic right. Catholic identity in 19th century England was, you know, what what Philip Neri would have been quite familiar with, a 16th century Italian priest. So it's very much Baroque and it's, you know, it's it's very it's not very Gothic at all. Mm-hmm. But that's not because of a particular oratorian style. That's because of a real desire, at least in the English context, for a Catholic identity. And I think that that's something that's, um, that young people um, uh, crave. And it's certainly something that I crave and others. They want a real Catholic identity, um, and they 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 they're looking to what what does it mean to be a Catholic in 2021? You know, show me the indicia, the markers, the characteristics. Who is a Catholic? Um, and so, yeah, and 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 so it's not so much about establishing a style per se, but it is about having a very much a readily identifiable Catholic identity. That's that's all part of the evangelization too. I mean, you know, because it really, I mean, what attracts people, I know in my sort of evangelical endeavors at work is that, you know, I fast, I talk about my faith. People want identity. If we want to bring people to Christ yeah. and they see, oh, well, if I come to the Catholic church, it's 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 almost no different from other places, why would I become Catholic? Yeah, well, as Christ on the is, outside, I mean, that yeah. initial attraction. Let your let your yes be yes and your no be no. Yeah, as our Lord said, you know, and and, and that is, you know, it means especially with the liturgy. I mean, the second we become a bit entertaining and yeah, and, and keeping everybody entertained. Yeah, and as, what's the point? As, uh, and as Paul said, you know, preach the gospel in season and out of season. You know, people, if, if you know, you know, this is what you know. This is the truth. It's the Catholic faith. It'll set you free. This is it. And that will end up inevitably shocking a lot of people. People will walk away, for sure. Um, They did so when Christ himself 
was preaching, you know, and um, you know, particularly when he preached the truth about his own body and blood being a sacrifice and you know, for the redemption of all, that you had to eat his flesh, drink his blood. And there were, as the scriptures say, there were people who, this is a teaching that's too hard, they walked. But you need that kind of clarity, because without that kind of clarity, you won't actually attract people to you, to your to your cause. And and not everybody who walks away walks away forever either. You know, uh, at least it's at least you planted a seed. Yes, a, I of think substance. so. I think so. I think so. I think you, I think we're duty bound to do that. Um, you know, and I do think that people are searching for that kind of clarity. Mm-hmm. You know, excellent. Yeah. That's phenomenal. It's been an absolute pleasure having you here tonight, Father. Um, if we could just wrap up three practical tools for everybody just to take action with the Latin Mass and um, getting to the Latin Mass. Go to it. You know, then get buy, lost. Yeah, get lost in it. Get lost. Know, um, uh, buy yourself uh, a missal once you've Which, been yeah, lost what, in what it. is a missal? So it's just a book? Just a book with the translation. And the readings, the readings for the day. The the readings for the day and the feasts. That's and what's right. the third practical tool? And the third practical tool is, I suppose, to... to uh, is don't stop. <laughs> keep <laughs> going. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. It's the same attitude as someone who's coming into the faith coming into the church that's not Catholic at all, comes to the Mass, says, I don't understand this. Do you want them to stop at the first time? No, keep going. Keep understanding. Keep going. Perseverance. Perseverance. Yes. Yeah. Those who persevere to the end will be saved. That's right. That's it. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you for keeping us to the practical tools, Father. Um, and if we could get your blessing. Sure. In, uh, uh, obviously in Latin. Sure, sure, sure. the traditional. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Dominus vobiscum et conspiritu tua. Bendica vos omnipotens Deus et manet per semper, pater et filius et spiritus sanctus. Amen. Thank you very much. Be sure to subscribe and download to the Catholic Toolbox podcast to re-listen to any of our episodes available on the Apple iTunes, Android, any other platform. So, thank you for tuning in to the Catholic Toolbox, the art of practical Catholicism. I'm your host and founder, George Manassa. Until next week, God bless, take care, and take action. In this era of grave spiritual crisis, it is not enough to simply know about your Catholic faith. That is why we need a Catholic toolbox to equip us with the practical skills necessary to live our Catholic faith to reach our ultimate goal, which is heaven for all eternity. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Join us every Tuesday night at 8pm for the Catholic Toolbox as we hand you the tools to go forth, live the faith and change our modern world today. Live on The Voice of Charity.